In today's show, we look at buy low and sell high trade targets, overperforming and underperforming players. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at redrock underscore beeble on TikTok at redrock underscore beeble and on Instagram at locked on fantasy basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NBA. We're here to look at fantasy trades now, looking at the guys who are over and underperforming. You know how it goes. If a player is a sell high, it does not mean trade them away. If a player is a buy low, it does not mean go and get them. It's not what it means. A sell high means you see if there's someone out there who is wildly overvaluing their current performance. A buy low means there's someone who is Im- impulsively reactive and is just frustrated and is like wants to teach that guy a lesson by dumping them or getting them off their team and you take advantage. Otherwise, you just let it be. You ride out a high performance. You let the other person um, keep that player. You don't have to do anything. You don't. It's not a rule that you have to make trades every day in fantasy basketball, offer trades. It's about finding the right value at the right time and trying to maximize your upside and minimize your downside. And with all of that, um, let's have a look at how we did on this show two weeks ago. Morning. Let's get it on, Gilly. All right, two weeks ago in the week 15, a buy low, sell high show. This is what we looked at. We looked at Rob Williams as a buy low because there were people hating on him. Man, what am I doing with this guy? How, how long do I persist? What am I? This is ridiculous. And we knew it was going to be a slow buildup. He was 121st. Since then, he's 41st. Literally two days ago, I still had people say, man, I can get better production off the waiver wire. What am I doing with Rob Williams? Well, if your waiver wire's got top 50 players on it, good luck to you. But I think there might be just a complete disconnect between what value versus ranking and production actually is. Because he's, he's not at his best, for sure. Like, he's not 100%, but he's still pretty good, Rob Williams. All right, we're still getting some okay numbers. And understanding what people give you and how, what they're supposed to give you versus arbitrary ranking numbers is really important to note. Tyler Hero, this one didn't work out at all. He's been worse. He was 120th. And I said, all right, I think he's going to get better. I think his shooting numbers are going to improve. Apparently not. He is worse, 129th over the last couple of weeks. He was rolling like a top 40 rate earlier on in the season, which felt unlikely to continue. I still think that he's going to be better than this. Pretty confident he's going to be better than this, but this is a prolonged slump now for Tyler Hero. Jamarant was 85th. He's 11th since then. It feels like this guy is just all, all swings all the time. So I could easily have had him on this show. I don't. In the sell high segment, say, hey, Jarrett 11's a sell high, see what you can get. And then the next time I do it in two weeks, it'll be 80th. Like, he just goes back and forward, back and forward so often. But if you sold high on him, good win. Um, LaMelo Ball was 63rd. He was... Um, oh, sorry, not sold high. If you if bought low on Jamarant. Um, LaMelo was 63rd. He's 15th since then. 15th, I think, is about right for LaMelo as we move forward. 
Um, so that was a good win there. This one didn't work. Obviously, he got hurt in, in the middle of this. Ojananobi, 132nd, and he's 244th since then. He's played like one and a half games. I think he played 40 minutes total since that happened, and he yeah, obviously we couldn't get anything good out of him, and now he's injured still, and we don't know what's happening with the trade. Still think that him at 132, if you bought low, while well, it didn't pan out in the next two weeks, I still think there's, it is going to pan out in the future, but it has not been great over the next two weeks. In terms of the sell highs, Drew Holiday was 12th. He's 102nd since then. That swung too far in the wrong direction. He will end up now being a bit of a buy low if you can get him at that price. This was before the Chris Middleton return, and Drew was doing some pretty amazing shooting stuff, so he's going to drop off. We had the delicate dancer, El Prenshengun, as a sell high. It's a delicate dance in just 17 steps. He was 17th since then. He's 35th. I think he probably settles in the 30 to 50 range. So maybe he can drop a little bit from here. Maybe he can go up a bit from here. I, I don't know. But that 17 was unlikely to stick. I don't know when Kevin Porter's coming back. That'll be the big test to see what Shengun's assist numbers look like when Porter returns. Timothy John McConnell, we wanted to get out ahead of this one before Halliburton returned. He was 23rd. He's 101st since then. He's going to be 180th really soon. Hopefully, you're able to cash in for any sort of top 100 player for McConnell because his value is cooked. Sadiq Bay actually improved. Interestingly, he was 65th, and they have moved him back to the bench. Yet he's still 60th. I don't think that 60 is a realistic expectation for Bay as we move forward, but shout out to him. He's been really strong over this period of time. And Keegan Murray, that was an obvious one to me. He was 75th. Since then, he's 197th. It's all about sustainability on three-point shooting with him. And he was shooting at like 46% from three, I think, over that time frame. He dropped way off. Yesterday was really good for Keegan, and that pushed him back up. But he still sits to me as a back-end 12-team league guy, probably worst guy on your roster, who will have really strong periods and really poor periods based on hot streaks and cold streaks. And he's even more prone to that because the way Mike Brown runs things is that when he shoots well, he gets more minutes. And when he shoots poorly, he gets fewer minutes. So not only does it impact his overall percentages, you get lower volume when he shoots poorly too. So he can't even rack up some rebounds or get a couple of extra cheap points. And that's a double hurt on Keegan Murray and his overall production. Let's go straight into the buy lows now, and we're going to start with Al Horford. Um, fra framing it this way, if you want to drop Al Horford, I, I don't really care a huge amount, especially if you're in a points league, because like, he's averaging only 24 fantasy points for the season. You don't need to have a 24 fantasy point guy pinned to your 12-team roster. You don't. You get much better value off the waiver wire. Don't worry about it. But he's also, this is for deeper, this show is not just all 12-team leagues. So if you're in a deeper league, he's better than this. He's averaging 17.5 fantasy points over the last two weeks. So he's got significant scope to improve. And in a category league, what is happening here? Like, he's 115th for the season. If you do want to really, really care about turnovers, he never gets them, and that pushes him way higher. But again, it, to me, it exposes the folly in relying upon turnover ranks because you look at Horford averaging 9, 6, and 2 with half a steal and under a blocking a year, but he's a top 70 player. Like, that to me is a ludicrous um, evaluation of where Horford has been this season. So, you know, bearing that in mind, he's still 115th for the season, but he's struggling, 214th over the last um, two weeks, 210th in points leagues. And one thing I know about Earl Horford or any NBA player is they won't continue to shoot 17% from two, which is what Horford has done over the last five games. He's also, he's played 32 minutes, so that's fine, but 17%. Now, he's at 35% from three in that same time frame. He's at 42 for the season. 35, 36 is fine. He might do that rest of the season. So I'm not looking at that. But there is no way, not a chance in the world that he will be a 17% two-point shooter. It's just not going to happen. He's at 55 for the season. And it has tumbled for sure. He's at 43 over the last two months. But 17, 
absolutely no chance. Usage is down under 10%. Not that he's a big usage guy, but 11%, 11.5 down to 9.8 is a significant difference. And also, he doesn't get steals. But when you go from half a steal, one steal every two games, to 0.2 steals, one steal every five games, that does make a difference. It makes a pretty significant difference. Actually, it takes you from being a guy who's a pretty large uh, or a negative in steals to being a gigantic negative in steals, like basically never getting them. But realistically, like he's averaging five points a game. Just get that back to nine or 10, and then you are talking about a back-end player, a uh, your 11th best guy, probably maybe your 10th best guy. Um, th- that That is just dog's ballsies, that two-point percentage. like you, That stands out. You know that that's going to improve. It has to improve. It will guarantee it improve. I, I, I tell you, it's going to improve. I don't know what more to say about Al Horford's two-point percentage. It's going to improve. And people will drop him, and you can probably get him for absolutely nothing in a lot of different situations. And especially in deep leagues, I'd be way more interested in doing that. Let's go to Orlando. I didn't mean to hit that, but we'll hit it now. Um, Franz Wagner. Bit of a rough run of things for Franz lately. He's 201st over the last two weeks in category leagues, 124th in points leagues. He's averaging under 25 fantasy points versus 31 for the season. So that's a significant drop. So why? What has happened? The minutes are fine, 33 minutes a game. So we can rule that one out. His usage is down. That is a little bit of a concern. Down from 24 to 19.9. Has there been any significant player return during that time? Well, there has been John Isaac, but he's playing 10 minutes a night. And I don't think that the crossover between John Isaac and Franz Wagner is all that immense that's causing Franz to lose 5% of his usage. So I don't think that's the thing. Everything, everyone else is there. I think it's just a weird situation where his usage has dropped off, which obviously is a cause for concern. But the other thing that's happened is, much like Al Horford, he's not hitting his twos. He's at 54% from two this season. He's at 45 over the last two weeks. That's a big dip. It's 10 percentage points. Also, inexplicably, his free throws are at 60%. 60%. Like, again, you, you, you lose value on two percentages... Your scoring goes down. You maybe lose confidence. You take fewer shots. Your usage goes down. Your overall field goal percentage goes down. Your true shooting goes down. He's averaging 13 points a game over his last seven games. He's a 19-point-per-game scorer this this season. There is plenty of opportunity, real, really easy stuff. Get five percentage points more on two-pointers. Get 20 more on your free throws. Get one or two on usage, and you're already back at 100. That's how simple it is. So people are frustrated with France. People will look at this and go, man, now the Magic are healthy. He's being, being frozen out. And I don't actually think that's true. So if people are dropping him, obviously you, you pick him up. I don't think they are. But you, if, again, I, I try and take a lot of this on numbers, on, on valuation, but also what I hear and the way people complain about certain players. And if people are complaining to me about Franz Wagner and worried that all these guys coming back are killing him, then swoop in. Like get him for the 120th best player. Get him for your 11th best guy, 10th best guy. And if you can't get him, if it still requires a top 80 player to get him, don't. Just don't. Just leave it and and see how he improves from afar. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. As a hiring manager or someone who has a small business, it is vitally important that you make the right decisions when you are hiring because we know that getting the right people into your business is Really, the the way for success in 2023. LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools. They go beyond resume data by using insights from your job post, your company, and their 875 million member profiles to put your post in front of the most qualified candidates. I wonder when they update this copy. Like, when do they get the next million followers and we go to 876? I don't know. 
LinkedIn jobs, let me know. Ideally, the most qualified candidates, you'll find them easy. And that's what LinkedIn does for you. They just put them right in front of your nose and go, here you go. Qualified candidates, sort through them. It's easy to screen them and rate the applicants based on your job qualifications all on one platform. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs. Number one, in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MBA. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Let's do another buy low. Let's go to Houston and talk about Jalen Green. And let's be honest, he's been, he smells like it's been really bad for him of late, but I have some faith. Much faith? No. Less faith than I had earlier in the season? Absolutely less faith. He is 182nd in category leagues, 100th in points leagues. I think a big way you can tell that, yes, he's been bad this season, but it's an extra level of bad is the points league production. He's gone from 32 fantasy points down to under 27. And 32 fantasy points is like a top 80 player. It hasn't been good for him, but he's that's okay. Top 70, top 80 is okay. So what's happened? Over the last four games, his minutes are down, only 30 minutes a game. So that's the number one thing. As he come back from, comes back from injury, we'll see that push back up. But he can't hit any shots. Now, he has been a bad shooter all season. But there's a difference between being a 41% shooter, which he is, versus a 34% shooter, which he is over the last four games. And that includes him shooting under 36% on twos. Now, last season, he hit 50% of his twos. This is what we thought. Okay, 50% on twos, really good baseline as a rookie. Let's add an extra couple of percentage points onto that. Maybe get an extra percentage point on um, three-pointers. You play two, three extra minutes. You get an extra assist per game. And that pushes you to be a top 80, top 70 player really easily. Unfortunately, he's just regressed significantly. So 50% shooting last season, 47 this season, 36 from two over the last two weeks. Also, Absolutely allergic to rebounds. He was at 4.1 this season. Over the last four games, 2.3. That's not accounted for in the minutes reduction. And his scoring has gone from 21.6 to 16 points per game. And in large part, that uh, scoring is down because he's not getting to the line. 5.7 attempts down to 2.8. Is this injury related? Possibly. Is it just poor shooting? Is it a lack of confidence? Possibly as well. We know he has stinking games. But there's a difference between stinking and absolute bottom-of-the-barrel stinking. And at the moment, the shooting is bottom-of-the-barrel stinking. It's 34% on 16 attempts, his field goals. For the season, he's at 41 on 18. And while that is, that is they're both bad. Don't, don't get me wrong. They're both bad. And we know you're punting field goals with it, so it doesn't impact you in that sense. But it impacts your scoring. As you can see, he's five points per game fewer than what he has been over the course of the season. 16 points versus 21.6. Let's go to Atlanta for a bylaw. Let's go to the Baptist, Johnny Collins. 172nd Collins is in category leagues over the last two weeks, 133rd in points leagues. He's averaging just 24 fantasy points versus 28 and a half for the season. So what is actually going on? Well, there's something going on with John Collins just in general. All right. I had someone ask me the other day, hey, do I drop John Collins in a 14-team league? That is the level of frustration people have. Of course, I said, no, you do not do that. Um, but that's where frustration is. So we look at Johnny Collins and say, Last season, like he shot 36% from three. The season before, he shot 40% from three. The season before, he shot 40% from three. This season, he's shooting 25%. What is going on? And it's getting worse. He's at 21% over the last six games. Now, I'm not even asking for him to get back to 36 or get back to 40. Just hit 33%, mate. Just hit 32. Why can he not shoot at all? Like, at all. These are some of the worst shooting numbers you will see. His two-point percentage, it's great. 63%. It was at 59 last year, 62 the year before that. That's all great. Just cannot hit a single deep shot. And now he's also decided he doesn't know how to rebound. Three years ago, he averaged double-digit boards. Over the last six games, he's averaging five. 
Can't rebound anymore. And, oh yeah, just added on, can't hit free throws. He was a guy that was at 79, 83, 80. He's at 79 this season. Last six games, 67. Last two months, 73. So not only has he turned into a guy that can't hit threes, he can't hit free throws either. Has he, has he got an injury to his hand that I don't know about? Maybe he has. Because something is way off. And it doesn't take much for him to go back from 67 free throws to 75, 78. It doesn't take much. Or maybe it does. It doesn't take much to go from 21 to 32% to be a below average shooter versus the absolute worst three-point shooter you could possibly find. Grab a rebound, mate. Why are you at five? You used to be a monster. There is so much troubling stuff going on here that I look at it and go, there's, I just, there's no way that he is this bad. There's no way that this stuff sticks. Maybe he's not great rest of the season, but he's going to have a boost at some point. And if people are dropping him in 14-team leagues or considering it, you're swiping him, you're grabbing him, and you're trying to buy him low. I don't think he's going to get traded. But even if he doesn't, it doesn't matter because at the individual production here, it can't get worse. Knock on wood. It can't get worse. Let's go to Washington. Brad Beal. Bealo. 107th over the last two weeks in category league, 70th in points leagues. It's been really rough this season. This is why he fell into the 40s in drafts. I wasn't worried about the injury from last season. That was a wrist injury and it's fine. And it hasn't been a problem. He's just pinged his hammy like four times and then sprained his ankle the other day. So there are a lot of people who are very much like, I'm never drafting Brad Beal again. Oh yeah, that's where you go and trade for him. Because those people are done. They're frustrated. He's been, look, for all, for all of how bad he's been, he's 40th per game this season, which is literally exactly where he was drafted. Yes, I know he's missed a lot of games, but he's 40th. But when people are throwing out the, he is on my do not draft list, never touching this bum again, that's how you know to get in there. 107th in category leagues. He's averaging only three fewer fantasy points per game over the last two weeks, but people are pissed. Because he's shooting just 47% from two versus 57 for the season. He has not generated a single steal since he returned from injury. That's almost unfathomably, it's, it's almost impossible. Since he came back from injury, not one single steal has he got. That's, that's already going to improve your numbers straight away. Just get a steal, mate. Now, he's not a big steals guy, obviously. He's only at 0.8 for the season. He's at 0.9 last season. He was at 1.2, 1.3 the two previous years. It's going backwards. But he's not like a player where he gets zero steals because they don't exist unless you're Boyan Bogdanovich. And for a guy that's been a great free throw shooter, 84, 89, 83, 85 this season, well, he's at 77 over the last five games. There are very clear indicators of Beal getting back to at least top 70, probably top 50. And if people are do not drafting this guy based on production, get him. You don't have to give up top 40 numbers, 50, 60, maybe even top 70 to get him. And I would be very, very interested in uh, in acquiring him, knowing or feeling pretty good that the price is low there. Today's episode is brought to you by Fangio. This year, the only app that you need at your Super Bowl party is Fangio, America's number one sportsbook. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sportsbook in America, Fangio. And if you're new to Fangio, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download Fangio now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Fangio lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown in Super Bowl 57. Let's have a look. We haven't checked in on the odds for Super Bowl 57 recently, and they are exactly the same. The Eagles are still one and a half point favorites, but we've got any time touchdown scorer odds up here. Let's have a look. Isaiah Pacheco, plus 120. 
Travis Kelsey minus 115. Yeah, I'm not sure that's a good bet because I think he's going to get it, but the odds aren't really good there. What about Jalen Hurts plus 100? And it's not just um, passing. It's got to be rushing. So he's second highest odds here. Second lowest odds, Jalen Hurts to score a touchdown. Huh. You can find all that over at FanDuel. The Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. And best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Let's do it. Let's rip the Band-Aid off 20 minutes in. <laughs> let's do sell highs and let's talk Cam Thomas. Because um, I know what the immediate refrain is going to be. Well, Josh, you can only sell high in a taco league, mate. Okay, cool. If you can't sell him high in your league, just enjoy what's happening. All right, that's totally okay. Um, but not every league that allows things to happen is a taco league. Lots of stuff happens in lots of different leagues. And I went through and had a look at the transaction trends on Yahoo. And while there are plenty of people who look at him and say, well, okay, Cam Thomas was traded alongside Jabari Smith for RJ Barrett. That's not an overvaluation of Cam Thomas. I think that's actually pretty okay. Cam Thomas and Killian Hayes for Kyle Kuzma. I don't know, maybe we're getting a little bit crazy there. Cam Thomas for Karis LeVert. Probably rather Cam Thomas, to be honest. Like, I don't value Levert that highly. So is that Cam Thomas for Rui Hachimura? That's a nothing trade. Right? That's not overvaluing him. That's fine. Then we go to Cam Thomas for Paul George. Oh. Huh? Okay. Um, Cam Thomas and Norman Powell for Rob Williams. Oh. Cam Thomas for Desmond Bain. Okay. Cam Thomas, Eric Gordon, Terry Rozier for Donovan Mitchell. Hmm? Cameron Thomas for Kyrie Irving. Cameron Thomas for CJ McCollum. Cameron Thomas for Rudy Gobert. Cam Thomas and Ben Simmons for Spencer Dinwiddie. Look, there's crazy things. Cam Thomas and Aaron Gordon for Zach Levine. He's being used as a value-added sweetener or just a straight-up one-on-one trade. So you always you always want to accept offers. If you can get a top 70 player back, look, if you if it's I, I would do it for top 100, but I know, I know a lot of you believe in Cam Thomas uh, that way, the way that I don't long-term. He's 63rd over the last two weeks. And you'll say, Josh, last two weeks, it's not just because Kyrie is gone. It is just because Kyrie is gone. But it's also because numerous players have been injured. Simmons, Curry, Durant. Now Kyrie's gone. Dinwiddie hasn't arrived. Finney Smith's out. Um, There's just a lot of opportunity here. And even though you might say, well, he's earned a spot over Joe Harris, and I actually think that might be true, or he's a better player than Seth Curry. I disagree with that, but maybe he can get those minutes. Tony Warren's injury prone. I believe in that 100% as well. Um, you can find a regular role for him. You could also easily construct a rotation where he's the 11th man and doesn't play every night. But you, you could find a role for him. But even if anything that I say about my skepticism of his minutes, if you say, no, I think he will start and play 30 minutes a night, or no, I think he will be their sixth man and play 28 minutes coming off the bench. Even if, you, even if that is what ends up happening, I don't agree that's what will happen. But even if you think that's what will happen, there's stuff here that's not going to last. He's averaging 28 fantasy points versus 14 for the season. And I'll tell you why it's not going to last. Because over the last two weeks, he's shooting 59% from three. This is a man who shot 27% from three last season and shot, I think, 30% at LSU. Yes, for the year, he is at 44% from three, which is obviously a really, really strong number. But I am not yet convinced, and maybe I can be, but I'm not yet convinced that Cam Thomas is an elite three-point shooter. I'm just looking what his numbers are. He's at 29 of 66 for the season. Not a huge volume. He shot 174 threes last season and made 47 of them. So he had like a significantly larger sample size last season. This season, it is a, it's a ridiculously small sample size. Um, and if I actually just double check this, his sample size on threes. Yeah, over the last 
month, he's taken over half his threes. And that's, you know, he didn't play before that. So we can all agree, surely, that he's not shooting 59% from three. He's also running at 39% usage. He's at 29 for the season. And even that feels a little high. 39 usage is an insane number. Well, someone's going to take the shots, Josh, with Kyrie there. Yeah, but also absolutely not. Like, no one is running at 39% usage. I don't think Luca's not even running at 39 usage. Do you think Cam Thomas is going to run at 39% usage? No way. Like, that is going to fall away. And the two-point percentage, I could easily make an argument that he stays at 53% from two. No problem. But it's still five percentage points higher than what it is for the entirety of the season. He's at 50, he was at 52 last season, so that's not that crazy. It's this that's crazy, the three-point percentage. It's the usage that's crazy. It's even the minutes, which might not stick at 21, but he's averaging 23 points in 22 minutes. This, these are not realistic numbers. So you might look at him, and, and I could easily say, if you said, hey, I think he's going to be the 150th best player, Josh, um, and play 28 minutes a night, I'd look at you and go, yeah, I actually disagree. But I, I, I can see how it gets there. You know, Joe Harris or Seth Curry get marginalized or hurt or traded or whatever. But you can't sit here and tell me that what he is doing now is anywhere remotely close to realistic. And it's all about seeing if there's a good offer out there for him in a trade and seeing what your valuation is. My, my thing with Thomas has been consistently, I think he's a really, really good scorer, an elite level scorer. I've said this all the time, but I've never really understood how he fits into a winning or successful NBA team with everything that he does being one-on-one. Like it's just so much one-on-one stuff. How does he defend? How does he work in a team construct? And even these last couple of games, when he's on the court, he's taking half of every shot that's on there when he's on the court. It's just give him the ball and shoot, and that's really it. Like he's running at 49 usage the last two games or 48 usage. Half of the shots are his. And on a real team, that's not something that ha- will ever happen. So how does he actually fit into a smaller role? No one has ever questioned Cam Thomas's scoring ability and his one-on-one creation. No one has ever done that. But as I've said a lot of times with him, he sort of needs to be the number one guy to put up big scoring numbers. And I'm not actually sure how much that overall ends up helping the team. It's, a, it's going to be one of the biggest stories to watch over the next couple of weeks. But there are very, very very obvious indicators that this won't stick. Very obvious. And I can't wait for people to call me a hater. Love it. Let's go to the next one. Chris S. Porzingis. Porzingis. I was big on Porzingis this season. You know that. I picked him in the third round of so many mock drafts and I had him really high, like per game, like 18th or something. But we've got to be realistic here. Like He's, he's not this guy. He's not um, the fifth best player which is what he's been over the last two weeks. He's not that guy. He's 16th in points leagues. He's averaging 47 fantasy points versus 42 for the season. It's a big, big difference. Not, I'm not even going to mention injury risk because obviously there is some injury risk. He's played 45 games though. He's got some knee problems. We're all well aware of that with Puzingas. But it's actually production that's enabling me to go, I'm okay to get, get rid of him if I get the right value back. And I would think people, people change their tunes really quickly. Remember, you're injury-prone till you're not. You're an Iron Man till you're not. And Porzingis has been healthy all season. Are people starting to lose that fear? That's where you've got to inquire. Because he's shooting 45% from three. He's at 36 for the season. Christos Porzingis is a season-long 39% three-point shooter. Absolutely believable. 45, no way. He's also a really good free-throw shooter. But he's at 93% of them at the moment. And that's very, very hard to maintain on that volume. And if you go from unbelievably good... 93% to just very good at 84%. It takes away 15, 20 spots of ranking sometimes. Like that goes from a Z score of 2.15 down to 0.75. Big difference. And he's doing all this while being an elite two-point shooter. Now he's at 54% twos for the season. He was at 50, 
three last season, 54 the year before that. But no, the last four games, he's running at 61. So there are just significant indicators here with him that the shooting numbers from three, from the line, from two, and that means his overall field goal percentage, which sits at 56%, is going to come down. Therefore, his scoring is going to come down. Therefore, maybe his usage comes down as he just doesn't feel it as much and take as many shots. If I could get a top 15 player back for Porzingis, I would absolutely do it. Whether you can do it or not, I don't know. But it's worth inquiring. It's worth considering offers. And it's worth, and if you can't get it, it's just worth rolling with him. Obi's a big fan of Porzingis. He's decided to come in the room as I'm talking about him. Obi, do you want to come up? Oh, there we go. Nice interruption in the show. There you are, big fella. All right, let's talk about the next guy. It is the headmaster, Jamal Murray. I was sort of big on Murray. When all the initial rankings came out at the start of the season, he was listed like 140th. There were plenty of people saying, well, he's not going to play 30 minutes even until January. They're going to limit him so severely. And I really pushed back on that strongly. Um, but I didn't expect what we're seeing at the moment from Murray. I was drafting him in the 60, 70s most spots, and he's killing it this season. He's 60th per game, but recently he's dominating. Ninth-ranked player over the last two weeks, 17th in points leagues, averaging like 47 fantasy points versus 35 fantasy points. It's a big difference. So what's happening? Well, Jamal Murray is stepping it up in a number of ways. He's doing the combination which we all love for fantasy, but we all understand is risky. He's bumped his usage way up, 31%. Versus 26 for the season and paired that with an elite improvement in efficiency. So he's gone from 26 usage and 58 true shooting to 31 usage and 66 true shooting. And he's done that by shooting 44% from three. I actually think he is a 40% three-point shooter, but 40 to 44 or 45 is very hard to maintain. And then he's also got taken his two-pointers up from 50 to 60. And I think he can be a 51 or 52 two-point percentage guy. But to do, take your two-point percentage way up, like 10 percentage points, your three-point percentage, four or five percentage points up, and bumpy usage, four or five usage percentage points at the same time, it's a really hard combination to maintain. And as you can see, he's doing it. It's pushed him into the top 10 on all these numbers, which I think are going to drop off. I've got him as a top 40 guy rest of season. So if I could trade him away for a top 25 player, I would do it. There is a realistic scenario he maintains 30 usage. He's getting a ton of shots. It's just that maintaining that usage while maintaining this true shooting of 66% to be literally one of the most efficient players in the NBA, it's just not something I want to stake my fantasy team on. Let's go to Portland. And this is a really good one to me, I think. Well, I did it, so I hope it's a good one. Um, we're looking at Anthony Simons. Dog him, Red. 39th over the last two weeks in Category League, 60th in points leagues. He's averaging 34 fantasy points versus 32 for the season. So it's not a big points league difference, but in category leagues it is. And the common narrative that I will say all the time with Simons is, hey, he tends to struggle playing alongside Damian Lillard. And that has been true because he generally tends to not have the ball in his hands as much and we just don't get this stuff. Now, I'll focus firstly here on assists. He's at 5.7 over the last two weeks versus 4.1. And that's while Lillard has been going off. That's really interesting. If he can maintain 5.7 assists, I'm, I'm really, I'm all ears. That's very intriguing. But what he has done at the moment is that we see these big games and people look at the big games that Simons has been putting up. And he has been putting up big games. And those rankings would suggest exactly what he's done. 21, 26, 33, 27, 21 points the last five games, including a game with nine threes. Like that is, that's obviously really good. And we're not denying that. But people say that, go see Josh, he can play alongside Dame. And yes, I, I, I do agree that he's been really good. But he's shooting 46% from three. Like, If he wasn't, and if he had a cold streak and shot 35% from three, then we'd be looking at him scoring 18 points. He hasn't had a single rebound in either of the last two games. 
He has got two steals over his last six games. And yes, the assists are really encouraging, but if he wasn't shooting at a number that he's not able to continue to shoot at, 46 from three and 61 from two, then everyone would be going, oh yeah, he actually can't play with Dame. But everything's going in and it is changing that narrative. So is he a top 40 guy rest of season? I don't believe so. I would be very happy to get a top 55, top 60 guy back in a trade for Anthony Simons because I look at that and go, there's no way he's a 46% three-point shooter or shooting 61% from two, let alone continuing to do both at the same time. The assists, you can you could argue they stay high. I've got no problem with that. Maybe he is going to just play off and be a guy facilitating Dame who's on an absolutely red-hot streak at the moment as well um, and continue to do that. Because what he's doing at the moment is, is based actually on lower usage. Is at 23 usage versus 25 for the season. So he is seeing less of the ball, which is one of my concerns with him playing with Dame is the lower usage. But he's buffering that. He's pushing it up by being an otherworldly shooter, hitting 68 true shooting over that time, which I just don't believe is going to be able to persist. The last one we're going to look at, we'll go to Phoenix and it's Mikhail Bridges. And this one's a little bit tougher to look at. 53rd over the last two weeks in categories, 51st in points. He's averaging almost 36 fantasy points versus 32 for the season. But what's happening here? Devin Booker's returning today. And what we look at a few of the numbers. He's at 25 usage over the last two weeks, Bridges. He's only at 19 uh, usage for the season. He was at, like, hold on to your dicks. Like he was at 15 usage last season. And what's happened this season? Chris Paul has been out. Devin Booker's been out. And Bridges has seen a big, big spike. Now, if Paul and if Bridges are both, if Paul and Booker are both playing at the same time, does Bridges move back from 25 down to closer to 15? Does he move to 19? Does he move to 17? It is a big, big dip. And we have just become accustomed to Bridges being this 24, 25 usage guy. He's been doing it for like two months, basically since Booker's been out and since Paul's been out of that crossover. That's what he's been doing this whole time. Where will he fit on the usage totem pole with a healthy Cam Johnson, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton? Is he the fifth offensive option in the starting group? Because if he is, that's going to fall. Also, he averaged two assists per game last season. Two assists per game the year before that. 1.8 assists per game the year before that. He's at 3.6 this season, but 4.3 over the last two weeks. Is that because the secondary facilitator Devin Booker has been out? Or at times the primary facilitator Chris Paul has been out? I would have to suggest yes. I think he can average over three this season. They have shown a marked um, more willingness to let him run some stuff, but I don't think it's sticking it over four. I don't think he's doubling his assist rate from last season because, again, so much has been fueled by the absence of either Paul or Booker or both, and now they're both going to be back. Interestingly, his free throw attempts are up from 3.1 to five as well. He attempted under two last season. So this all ties into usage. Way more Mikhail as the primary offensive option. Maybe this sticks. I don't really think it does. There are a few things here. Again, this could just be me thinking that overthinking the book of return, but high usage, high assists, high free throw attempt rates. And yes, his shooting numbers have been poor all season. He was at 53 from the field last season. He's at 46 this season. Um, But a lot of what he was doing shooting-wise last season always felt weird. Like 63 from two is so weird for a wing. And he's at a much more manageable 54% over the last month from two. And I think that's probably a realistic place to stick. But I worry about the assists, the free throw attempts, the usage overall here, and what that does to his numbers. If you can get a top 50, top 50 player, maybe you can. I I would do that. I think he hovers in the 80 to 70 range. 
as we move forward. So it's not a big sell high. I just worry there is going to be a drop off here. And that will do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. And if you are here on YouTube, thumb it up and leave your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. I didn't mean to push that. <laughs>